Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, come on, church. Can we lift up the name of Jesus? Come on, he's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the reason why we are here. I know we can do better than that. Come on. And I don't know if you're excited about church. I know that I am. I'm so, I love seeing all the smiling faces, by the way. To quote uh, Buddy the Elf, we love smiling. Smiling is our favorite. And so, thank you so much for bringing the energy. Thank you so much for bringing the joy. And if you are a guest here, I want you to know you didn't walk into a normal church on on a normal weekend. You walked into a church on an hour, uh, in a season, in a moment that is going to define who we are for years to come. And I'm so excited about it as we are in this series called Kingdom Come. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach us how to pray, they said, you know, will you teach us? He said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come your will be done and so that's always been our heart this is not about a church this is about bringing god's kingdom to this earth to this community to our city with the the resources that we have to the best of our ability and so this series is culminating in an opportunity to participate in a year in giving now before some of you you know start to get nervous and sweaty and like colby this week we're going to talk about offering and sacrifice and above and beyond you know, I brought, I invited friends this week. Well, I'm in the same boat with you. I invited people as well. And uh, maybe you're thinking, well, Colby, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't have the resources right now. Listen, let me just, let me just press pause for a second and, and let you release some of that pressure that you might feel because this is not about giving uh, anything to this church. This is not about something that God wants, you know, from you, something that this church wants from you. This is about something that I believe God wants for you. And so if you will let me just not feel any guilt, any condemnation right now, release that, then that will allow me to preach this the way I feel God wants me to preach it. This will allow me to preach it with a conviction the Holy Spirit conviction that I, I have because the only reason we have been able to do what we have been able to do for the last 11 years is because people like you have stepped up and sacrificed and have given above and beyond. The only reason we have seen thousands of people, their eternal destination forever changed uh, to be exact, 5,254 people since we launched this church who have said yes to Jesus is because you have sacrificially given. And so I know the, the joy that generosity does, that makes in your life. And not only do I know what it does for the kingdom of God, but I know what it does for you. There is a side effect that comes with giving. You know that, right? Jesus said, blessed are, are those who, who give. Like it is more blessed to give than it is to receive and so if you will just let me cast a little vision for what God wants to do in this season in this decade that we are headed into and release any stress or pressure of money because I know some of you you know you feel right now uncomfortable or awkward kind of like you were back in eighth grade health class during sex ed week and you're squirming in your seat a little bit please don't feel no condemnation no guilt this is something that is way beyond that. This is about legacy. This is about our worship. This is about building something that will last far beyond any of us in this this room. So let's release the pressure 
because in a couple weeks, you're going to watch a church on December 2nd and 3rd during our Kingdom Builder offering. Like, like step up in a way that seems um, ridiculous, radical, irresponsible, maybe even slightly stupid if God is not real. But if God is real, then we are to do all that we can with all that we have to make the biggest difference in our community. So you're not sitting in an ordinary church. I just want you to know that this is a time and a season where we are drawing a line in the sand to declare this is who we will be. Let me read some scripture and then I'll have you sit down. Luke chapter 10 verse 2 says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So the harvest is ready, Elevate Church. You need to understand that. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but people uh, seem to be more desperate than ever before. We, we live in a time and a season where there's more chaos, there's more confusion. And I just believe with all my heart that Jesus is going to become more and more beautiful against the backdrop of a broken world. The more people are searching for answers, searching for something, they are looking for Jesus, whether or not they, they attribute that to Jesus, I don't know. But I believe they're looking for love and hope in something, and we believe that we know where that hope comes from. It's Jesus. The harvest is ready, Elevate Church. The workers are few, but what if, just what if the resources were not? Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? I pray right now against any spirit of guilt or condemnation. And I pray for a spirit of generosity to flood in this house. God, I pray for those people who words like peace and joy and hope have not marked their life in the last weeks or month. I, I pray right now, God, that they would sense that, they would sense your presence. I pray ultimately against the enemy who would want to, to steal, kill, or destroy this moment, God, where you would speak to someone's heart in a way that encourages us and challenges us and convicts us perhaps through your word. And we just ask God that you would meet us right here in this moment. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, band. I'll see you guys back in 27 minutes and 32 seconds. That's about that time. That's about right. Hey, let's get serious right from the start. It's Thanksgiving week after all, right? Is anybody excited about Thanksgiving? I love Thanksgiving. One of my favorite holidays because you just get to eat like a fool and just go after it. Um, let's take a survey real quick on your favorite Thanksgiving dishes, favorite Thanksgiving side dishes. Who would say their favorite Thanksgiving dish is uh, mashed potatoes and gravy? Who would say that? That's what you're looking to, forward to most of all. All right, a couple of you. Uh, I love the mashed potato and gravy. I, I love KFC mashed potatoes and gravy. Just, I'm just saying, throw that out there. Uh, what about, um, let's see, broccoli casserole, like a broccoli casserole? Is that anybody's favorite? One, okay. That's not bad. A couple, a couple. Uh, how about sweet potato casserole? Let's go. With some nuts in it, pecans in that thing. And yes, it is pecan. It's not pecan. Because you don't pee in a con, you pee in a can. All right, just throwing that out there. You just need to know. Pecans, like there is a special place in heaven for people who love sweet potato casserole. Uh, what about, did anybody think like looking forward to cranberry sauce out of a can? Anybody? You can kindly leave. No, I'm just kidding. Don't leave. Don't leave. That's crazy. Like, like I, I love Thanksgiving. Uh, in fact, one more question for you guys, because um, theologians have debated this for years and still haven't arrived at, at an answer. 
is turkey better for Thanksgiving dinner or better afterwards in sandwiches? Who says afterwards in sandwiches? Better for Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, it's still split. Nobody knows. Nobody has a clue. My favorite side dish, uh, this is a sleeper. Perhaps you might not know what this is, but this is called pretzel salad. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Okay. Calling it salad is a stretch, to say the least. It, it, you call it salad so that you can have dessert before dessert is all, all that is. Um, because this thing is far from salad. What pretzel salad is, it's got a base layer of crushed pretzels with butter and sugar. And then on top of that, some cream cheese and Cool Whip. And then on top of that, a layer of, of strawberry jello, not sugar free, that stuff's nasty. Strawberry jello with sliced strawberries in it, bananas, and crushed pineapples. And we call it salad so you don't feel bad about the five to 700 calories you consume before dinner, before the meal. Has anybody not had pretzel salad before that would like to try it? You not had this? Anybody else not had this? It's coming, it's coming out here. Like Thanksgiving, come early to elevate church. Who has not tried pretzel salad? They would like some pretzel salad. All right, come on. You got to try this. Listen, there you go. That's for you. You're going to have to tell me how that works out for you. The joy multiplies when you sacrifice people. That's good, Pastor. Who said that? That is good. You're right. It's always better when you share. Colby, what does this have to do with, with the message? Nothing. Absolutely. That's just for you. You're going to have to tell us how you like that. Pretzel salad. Um, what did the widowed turkey tell her disobedient children? If your father could see you, he'd roll over in his gravy right now. Don't laugh at that. That's stupid. Don't laugh at that stuff. I'm just telling you. But what side of the turkey has the most feathers? Do you know? The outside. The outside. That's right. This is not going well. All right, I'm going to stop telling those jokes. I'm going to stop cold turkey, I promise, right now. <laughs> Let's talk about the Bible. What kind of church is this? Good Lord. Let's talk about the Bible. 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. How many of you have realized that perhaps, uh, especially in the last few years? Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share pretzel salad with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. Don't miss that, the future. That's what we're concerned about, the future, so that they may experience, what are those last two words, say it out loud, true life. Now let me answer the question some of you are inevitably asking, Colby, does God need my money? No, absolutely not. But you know, the beautiful thing is God doesn't need any of us. He wants us. He wants to use us. He has given us resources in order that, that we can serve him and his, his kingdom. He does not need us. He, he wants us to make a difference in the world around us for, in order for us to experience those two words, true life. There's something about being generous and sharing that gives you true life. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come so that you might have 
life and life more abundantly or life to the full. That's what generosity does. God uses the giving of money to accomplish two things. Generosity means freedom for you and funding for the kingdom. First, let's talk about freedom for you. Freedom for you. This represents the financial weight that we carry. This is like 250 something pounds. It's not that big a deal for me, just so you know. This represents what it feels like to have debt. This represents fear, perhaps, of your financial future. Some of you are carrying this right now. This represents um, stress in a home, stress in a marriage. In fact, this represents um, the reason why more marriages have ended in divorce in the United States than anything else. It's over this, over finances over this kind of stress, which begs the question, by the way, if that's true for marriages, then what is this doing to your relationship with God? That's what this is. It's stress. This is, this is spending more than you make. This is, this is thinking that your money, you know, is going to let you arrive at some place of status or, or, or some place in life looking to that more than anything else. So it's no wonder Jesus talks about this more than anything. In fact, 11 of the 40 parables are about this, this stress that we feel. In Matthew 6, 24, this is what he says. Hey, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. Then tune in right here. It says, you cannot, somebody say cannot. You cannot serve both God and this. You can't do it. He's not, this is not a commandment. He's not saying that, that, you know, don't do this. He's saying you couldn't if you tried. Like even if you try to serve God and money, it's not going to work out for you because I can't serve this and carry this around and at the same time hold my hands up and worship a holy God. I like, these are getting heavier than I thought they would by now. That's actually sad. But you cannot do it. And this is why God would love nothing more than to set you free Financially, again, this is about freedom for you. This is not about the church wanting something from you or God wanting something from you. This is him wanting something for your life. Actually, he says, test him in this. This is the only time he asks us to test him. Malachi, look at it, 3.10, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Tithe, uh, Pastor Ben from Cedar Creek last week, he, he did an incredible job at illustrating what a tithe is. It simply means a tenth is 10%. Bring that in. He said, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. So the only question I would ask you is, why would you wait? If God says, test me in this, why would you wait? Well, Colby, you don't understand the financial stress and strain and pressure I'm under right now, the problems that I have. Okay, then what are you waiting for to test God and have a financial breakthrough? You just don't understand. Like, if, if, if you need financial breakthrough now, why would you not test God now? Are you with me? Does that make sense? And I know, you know, sacrifice and giving, generosity, it sounds like a really, like, heavy word in reality. You know what it looks like? This. You want to see that again, slow motion? I'll do it again. Sacrifice, giving, trusting God in this area of your life sounds like a really heavy thing, but in reality, it's saying, God, my financial problems, my, my financial worries are now your financial worries. 
got the things that I fear for in the future and what, what, it, what it holds and what are we going to do is now something that, that I want you. And the thing is, God would love nothing more than to take control over this in your life so that you and I have the ability to open-handedly lift our hands in worship of a holy God. Are you with me? And it gets so much better than this, by the way, because this, again, is not an instruction. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for you and I to live at a higher elevation than we're living in our life. So all the more reason when it comes to money and finances and giving and generosity to breathe out to relax because it's about way more than that. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus never instructs people not to murder. Did you know that? He never says don't murder. What he says is he invites us to experience a life free of anger, free of anger in our heart. And how many of you know a life free of anger is a higher calling than just don't murder? So he never, like, he, he, he says, yes, we should tithe. Look it up in Luke chapter eleven forty two. 42. But he invites us to something more than that. He says, yeah, do that, but I'm inviting you to a life of, of generosity. And a life of generosity is a much higher calling than, hey, just give because I've told you to give. It's a higher calling. And as your pastor, I just got to make sure that the only reason you are not yet living at that level isn't because you have not been challenged to got to give you that that opportunity to be generous because I felt firsthand generosity feels a lot like freedom and some of you have felt the same thing living this way open-handed feels a lot like freedom and so what this is for us church is an invitation to partner with God in what he is building in his kingdom and should leave us all shouting can you believe we get to do this it's not we have to do this. It's not I got to give. No, this is a get to. We get to be a part of what God is doing. Can you believe? I don't have to live this way, always struggling, always stressed, always in fear, but I can live this way with my hands open and be a part of bringing God's kingdom to this, this earth. So let me just implore you, don't waste your life RSVPing no to an opportunity to be generous. Don't do it. Like, learn what, what so many of us have also learned is RSVPing. Yes means that I'm going to give my first and my best back to God through the tithe. And for my family, this is what it looks like. My first and best, tenth, back to God through the tithe. And sacrifice starts at 11%. Starts at 11. Starts after that, above and beyond that. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The message version says the, the world of the generous gets larger and larger and larger. And for some of you, you know firsthand how true that is. That when you live this way, open-handed, with your hands raised to God in heaven, like your world just gets larger and larger. And I'm just hoping others of you will catch on to that. And so maybe... If nothing else, what this, this collection of talks does, it, it, it spurs some of you on to live this way for the first time. Say, all right, God, I'm going to trust you. And you're going to set this down, and you're going to begin to tithe, and you're going to say, all right, God, this is, you're in control of this. I'm going to give you my first and best and see how you bless the rest. For others of you, it's above and beyond. And you're going to give in a way that seems radical, in a way that feels like a punch in the gut in a couple of weeks when we do our year-end giving opportunity. Because I think sacrifice should feel like a punch in the gut. I feel that way. Like Kristen and I, we were talking about what it is, you know, we're going to give. 
you know, in this next, you know, this, this year to advance God's kingdom, and it feels a little bit like a punch in the gut. And I don't say that to say, hey, you know, look at us. I say that so you know your leaders are going first. Like, we would never ask you to go someplace that we, we ourselves would not go. David, what did David say? He says, I'm not going to give a sacrifice that doesn't cost me anything. And so it should feel that way. That's what sacrifice feels like. And I just tell you that because I know firsthand how powerful generosity has been in my own life. And hear my heart. I don't want you to write a check to Elevate Church. Uh, I want you to experience freedom in your finances. Like, I want you to experience the Holy Spirit adrenaline rush of what it means to fund the kingdom of God. You, we need to understand this is so much bigger than Elevate Church. So much bigger. This is about God's kingdom. So it means freedom for you, but it also means, write this down, funding for the kingdom. And I'll prove it to you. I, I'm not asking you to write a check to this church. In fact, in our year in giving opportunity, like, like don't do it. Don't participate. Like, Colby, you're not a very good salesperson. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm trying to tell you what generosity will do for your life. In fact, like if you don't trust us, then go to eriecitymission.org and be generous there. Don't allow, you know, this to stop you from being generous in this season. I'm being 100% serious about that. That's a great organization that is helping people in, in, in addiction and find recovery from that and feeding people, you know, who are in need in our city. Like, give there. Give to Cedar Creek Church. Pastor Ben, last week, go to cedarcreek.tv online. That is a great church. They got behind us when we decided to plant here in Erie, Pennsylvania, and they are making the same heaven as crowded, like, like as we are. And so give there. So there. I'm just telling you, that is fertile soil. And that will be a good return on your, your investment. This is not about Elevate. Never has been, never will be. It's about freedom for you and funding for the kingdom. It's about legacy. It's about our children's children and their children. Because the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. But what if, what if the resources were not? And again, I believe this is a harvest season. I believe this next decade, like the, the harvest is the time that you work the most. The harvest, in fact, ask any farmer, Colby, where do I find a farmer? I don't know, tractor supply. I guess go there or go to farmersonly.com. I think you find one there if you're looking. But ask any farmer and they will tell you it's during the harvest season that they work hardest. And it's during the harvest season that they get up the earliest and they, they stay out the latest. Why? Because I've done the research. The corn does not pick itself. And so you got to get up and do the work. So ask anyone. And again, I just believe Jesus will become more and more intriguing as people are searching for answers in this next decade than ever before. And I believe thousands of people are going to come through these doors and know God and find family, discover purpose, and make a difference because of this season that we are, are living in. Because the church is God's plan A, you realize that. Like we are the storytellers of the gospel, we are the builders of, of the, the kingdom. We are the workers in the field that God has given us, specifically Erie, Pennsylvania. The Church of Jesus Christ is the only organization that exists for its non-members, for those not yet here. And so we are dead set on creating an environment where people who are far from God can walk through these doors because the field is ripe for harvest. The workers are few, but what if the resources were not? 
And beyond what this, this end of year giving opportunity will go to, like, you know, uh, in the past, like our church planning organization and Convoy of Hope, 100% of it is going in a different direction. And I'm going to share with you what that is um, in just a moment by telling you why we sacrifice. Well, what the significance of this moment is that we have in front of us. What's at stake for our generations to come? What's at stake for our homes? What's at stake for our schools? What's at stake for the cities that we live in? Your, 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 your harvest field that you are a part of. Can, I, can, I, can you nerd out with me just for a moment? We're going to nerd out together. The silent generation are those who have been, been born between 1928 and, and 1945. If you're part of the silent generation, would you stand up in this room and stay standing? Silent generation, 1928, 1945. Anybody? Come on, come on. Don't be shy. We've had people stand up for all generations during all of these. All right, so maybe not this one. All right, what's up? Baby boomers, one. All right, got you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here. Baby boomers, 1946 to 1964, stand up with them. Go ahead, stand up and stay standing. Baby boomers, let's go, baby boomers. That's it, all right. There's all the baby boomers. Stay standing, stay standing, though. Come on, you're going to help me out with this. And then the Gen Xers, 1965 to 1980. Where'd my Gen Xers stand up? My people. Come on, my people. Let's go. Look around. These are my people. These are those that you guys went and saw, uh, you know, Back to the Future in the theater, right? That's, you remember those days? You saw, you know, you went home from school and watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Remember when TV shows had a little bit of morality with them back in the day? The people standing up right now, the boomers, this is, look around. This is what we would call apple pie America. Meaning you grew up in America where there was a church on every corner, you grew up with a knowledge and understanding of, of who God was. Whether or not you attended church, that's not what I'm saying. But you understand who God is. You know probably John 3.16. You, you grew up with a little bit of, of faith. You grew up in a time where you would say things like, well, you know, back in my day, things used to be simpler. You say things like that. Or things were easier. Or there was a little bit more morality perhaps back in the day. This was the time and season that you Grew up. This is apple pie America. All right, you guys can sit down. The next group. Dun, dun, dun. Not really. <laughs> Millennials. 1981, 1996. Would you guys stand up? It's not a bad thing. Stand up. It's not a bad thing. All right, my millennials. You guys are what's known as the bridge generation. Look around. Because you grew up with one foot in apple pie America and one foot in just a, a new a new world where technology is just on the rise, is booming. In fact, at the end of, of, of the Gen Y uh, generation is 2012, or no, 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 1996. Never mind, we're not there yet. We're gonna get there. Um, but this, you guys grew up, grew up in a bridge like generation. And so you remember perhaps having a home phone in your house, you remember that? Having a home phone, and then everything went digital to cell phones. Or you, you, remember, um, you remember when there were, used to be blockbusters, perhaps on the corner, and then we got rid of those things. You remember when VHS tapes maybe went to, to DVDs, and now those are, are gone. And so you have a memory of church, a memory of church, but you are growing up in a bridge generation where you kind of have a, a Christian kind of apple pie America, and then it's kind of bled into this post Christian world that we are are living in now you guys can sit down and then the next one we have 
are the Gen Z. 1997 to 2012, will you stand up? And what's, what's cool is as we look around, we represent all these generations, do we not? I think it's amazing. But this generation, like, you are growing up in a very post-Christian America. I, like, unchurched, de-churched, all these things describe the world that you are growing up in. And so you don't have what a pastor named Tim Keller would call the Jesus haunt. The Jesus haunt. You guys can sit down. The Jesus haunt, and it sounds spooky, but it's not. It's for those of us that grew up in apple pie America, and for some of you millennials in that, that bridge generation. Like, like maybe you run from God in your life, but you have a memory of God. You have an understanding of who God is because there was a church on every corner because perhaps your parents had faith. So you, you know who God is. And so if you run from God, you still have a memory of God. And so you can run back to God. You can run back to, to home, run back to, to God's house. And that for some of you, that's your story, is it not? That's my story. Like I ran from God. It's the prodigal son story. Like, what does the Bible say? And I quote, he took his inheritance and ran off to a faraway land and spent it on wild living, right? And that's some of your story. But because he, he ran from home, he also remembered home. There was a moment in that story where he comes to his senses. He's actually eating with the pigs, and he remembers home. And because he remembers home and has a memory of home, he runs back home. And for a lot of reasons, that's why this church exists, by the way, for prodigals, prodigals who are far from God so they can run back home to the Father's house. Are you with me? And so what did he do? He, he ran from home, but because he remembered home, he came back home. That generation that was the last to stand up, there is no memory of home. They're growing up in a very post-Christian world with zero memory of what home looks like. And this is what has me so fired up this is why we give this is why we sacrifice this is why i believe god has placed us here for a time such as this so that we would sacrifice for our children's children so that we can continue to spread the gospel to a generation that has no jesus haunt to a generation that has no memory of home, no memory of God or faith so that they can wander into Elevate Church because we have sacrificed and lived generously so that they can know God and find family and discover purpose and make a difference. This is why. I tell you, the field is, is ripe, is ready. And against the backdrop, again, of a, a world that's in chaos, there are more and more people that I believe are searching for answers. And we better do our part to equip that next generation to stand strong in the world that they are growing up in. It is a different world, American Pie generation and even millennials, than you grew up in. It is a different world. It's a different world even in the last three years. There are new devils at every corner. I'm just telling you, we're growing up in a world where two out of three teens say they are depressed that's the world we're growing up in that's the world they're coming up in where three percent of followers of Jesus who are teenagers actually read their bible three percent that's what a stat shows three percent that's unbelievable 
where so many people are feeling like lost and broken and hurt. I did a funeral for a young woman yesterday, yesterday, 18, who took her life because she lost her battle with mental illness. 18. I have a son who's 18. You have children that age and younger. Listen, this is a fight that we have to win. And we have to be able to do whatever we can to to make sure we are equipping the generations that are coming after us with no memory of God, no memory of Jesus, to make sure that they can stand strong in the world that they are living in and equipped for and being prepared. Because I'm just telling you, it is a different world. So could you imagine? Could you imagine if, if the if the the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, but if the resources weren't, could you imagine what we could do as a church? Could you imagine the, the, the students we could reach? Could you imagine the churches we could plant or build? Could you imagine the, the kingdom coming to earth? Could you imagine the, the way we could set down this weight and, and lift our hands to an open God and say, God, thank you for using me to be a shareholder in life change here in my, my county? Could you imagine the, the reception you get upon reaching heaven one day? Because the Bible says that you made a difference here on this earth, that there will be people that you meet in heaven, that because of your generosity, because of the way that you give, you have changed their eternal destination. Could you imagine being a part of that? Like I can, and this church can, and I know some of you can, which is why this next year end, opportunity to give 100% of it is going to go towards this right here check this out this is what we're going to do we are going to add on an entire new student center to elevate church on that right hand side that's a building that does not yet exist a new entrance for them because we are going to do our part to create an environment where students who have no memory of God can walk through these doors into an opportunity to to have a cafe their own worship space uh, like a yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. A space, a multi-purpose room where they can hang out. Because again, this is a fight we cannot lose. And this is a fight we have to put everything that we have into. We are going to do this. We're going to do this. And this year-end offering is going to accelerate the pace in which we do this. We're going to make it happen. I'm telling you right now, we are located in Erie, like in the central part of this city for a reason and we've searched high and low for where God would have us go and where where we should move and where how we could expand and I'm telling you it's just been closed door after closed door after closed door because I do believe he has us here for a reason right here where students are coming right here where people who are far from God are searching and looking for answer and this I'm telling you this is a defining moment for our church we draw a line and we say this is who we are going to be this is how we are going to reach those who don't yet know God and we are going to put so much resources toward that next generation I'm not talking about just high school middle school I'm talking about elementary school that's going to be all new area for our kids preschool babies like all of it because I feel a a holy discontent a burden for that next generation and how we raise them up to stand for Jesus in this chaotic world. I'll conclude with this. Uh, upon hearing the word conclude, 70% of your audience re-engages, so I'll conclude with this. 
Apollo 13 was known as the successful failure. If you know anything about that mission, it was a successful failure because they did not complete their mission. However, they got all the astronauts back safely because day three into a seven-day journey, like the the spaceship kind of blew up. Everything went wrong. And so now hundreds of people at Mission Control are scrambling to try to figure out a way to get these astronauts back home because there's so many problems that are going on and they don't know what to do. So they're crunching numbers and data and trying to figure out a way to make it work. And so at the end of it, uh, it's the climax of it. If you have not seen the movie, you should go home and watch it. That's your homework, but go home and watch it. But everything is it's now about to happen. The, the capsule is about to come into the Earth's atmosphere and they're gonna see if all the hard work that they kind of put into place actually pays off and it's a successful, you know, failure. They didn't reach their mission, but we got them home safely. And so there are two guys that are talking, and this is in in the movie, and they're like, man, this could go wrong, this could go wrong, this could go wrong. The heat shield is cracked. They said the the parachutes, the three of them, they're just going to be blocks of ice by now. They're not going to open up. There's a typhoon coming, you know, for where their projected point of entry is going to be. They're going to be off trajectory, you know, by miles. And one guy says, like, this is going to be the worst disaster in the history of NASA. But what they did not know was there was a man named Gene Krantz, flight director, standing in front of them, listening to their conversation, and he turns around and calmly says, with all due respect, gentlemen, I believe this will be our finest hour. And I know that it would be easy for us to look at the world that we're living in with all the confusion, with all the problems, with a rise of of the the, the nuns, those who don't affiliate with any kind of religion, with the the rise in this post-Christian kind of world we're looking at and think, man, this is gonna be the worst era of the church in history. But with all due respect, I love the harvest field that God has given us. I love where he has planted us. I love the burden he has given us to be carriers of the kingdom and the cause of Christ to Erie, Pennsylvania, and beyond. And so with all due respect, I believe this will be the church's finest hour as you and I rise up to the occasion and sacrifice and go above and beyond to do all that we can for our next generations to come. Are you with me? And when the history is written about the way the church navigated these next 10 years, You know what they're gonna say of us? They're gonna say Elevate Church did not insulate themselves from the world because we're not about that. We did not isolate ourselves from the world because we are not about that. What rather we did was we infiltrated the world through acts of ridiculous generosity and did all we can so that students who are far from God can hear about Jesus who is the only hope of the world. Are you with me? Would you guys stand to your feet? And I wanna pray for us, Heavenly Father. Thank you for the burden that you have given us for the city and the students in the city, God, to do all that we can to make you famous, to make your name known in Erie, Pennsylvania and beyond. Thank you, God, for the vision that we have as a church to help equip students to stand strong in their faith in a world that has gone crazy with chaos and confusion. And I pray, God, that you would help us Help us, bless us, help a a spirit of generosity fall on this house so that we can 
do and be all that you've called us to do and be. And again, this is not about a singular church. This is about your kingdom coming to this earth. And so we pray right now in Jesus' name that we would lift that name high, that we would shout it from the mountains, we would shout it from our homes, we would shout it in our families. It would be the most important name in the city of Erie, Pennsylvania. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.